Uh, today, we want to start the Northwest focus here, and I want to talk about the ministry of Jesus. And I've been reading uh, another book uh, by Steve Kennard. On, it's called King Jesus. And, and, he, and part of his book, his book, you know, he's talking about King Jesus and who Jesus is, and it's all about Jesus. And he talks a little bit about the ministry of Jesus, and I wanted to share that, or parts of it, with you this morning as we get in the Word. And, you know, I'm not sure where you're at. Uh, a lot of times when I preach, uh, a lot of times it's, you know, it's kind of how the Spirit is leading me, what I'm going through, or, or people that are around me, and, and that's kind of my context. Uh, but a lot of times when one person's going through something, a lot of us have gone or are going to go through it. For instance, I can, and at times have been, insecure especially about whether or not I am doing what God wants me to be doing. The longer you're a disciple, you're just going to sit there and think sometimes, okay, am I doing what God wants me to be doing? Am I being a disciple? Am I, is, am I in God's will? And I've been, as a minister, I'd question that. And the best way for me to be corrected, or to be correct, is always to go back and see what Jesus' ministry was, and what his calling was. Because as disciples, we are called to embrace the ministry of Jesus. To love as he loved, to have compassion as he had compassion, to be people-focused, as he was people-focused. So as a church, as a body, all of us in this room, if we ever struggle with insecurity about whether or not we're in God's will, the best thing to do is focus on, okay, what did Jesus do? And that's the heart, and this is what people want to see when they come to church. When people come in, they want to see Jesus. When people come in to visit, they want to see the heart of God. A heart that loves, a heart that forgives, a heart that reaches out. A healing heart, a compassionate heart, a loving heart. Our church should have the same elements as the ministry of Jesus. And I believe that a church that makes love its number one aim will hit it every time. So let's look at Matthew here, chapter 4. Verse 23, as he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought back to him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So here we have three things that I believe probably summarizes the ministry of Jesus. So if we're here in this room here and we're disciples of Jesus, there are three things here that I believe that all of Jesus' ministry encompasses. We're visiting with us then I think hopefully you'll learn more about Jesus. But you see, teaching, proclaiming, and healing. 
If we want to be a church, if we want to be an individual that is in the embrace of Jesus and his ministry, it is to teach, proclaim, and heal. Every disciple, every person that has made Jesus Lord needs to be involved in all three of these things. So let's talk about teaching. John chapter 6. We find John, uh, Jesus and John's writing down of the, what Jesus was saying in John chapter 6, verse 38. You know, uh, when I, I did this lesson for the staff, and, you know, I had some fun before I did the lesson on Tuesday, and what I did is I asked the staff, I said, okay, if you're going to tell me right now, tell me, why did Jesus come to earth? Boom, boom, boom. But after about maybe two or three things, hey, he came to seek and save the lost. He came to reveal the Father. He came to love. Then it gets kind of quiet. Because it's like, now you're on shaky ground. You know, in our, in our tradition, it's like, yeah, seek and save the lost. Okay, yeah, we know that one real well because we hammer on that a lot. And that's okay. But could you write down ten things why Jesus came? Seriously. And that's a challenge. Well, here in John chapter 6, we find one of them. He says, for I have come down. Jesus says, I have come down not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none or lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks at the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So what's one of the things that Jesus came to earth to do? Certainly the will of his Father. But what was the will of his Father? That Jesus should lose none. Jesus came to keep the saved saved. (coughs) Jesus came for his flock, those who believe in him, those who have identified with discipleship, those of them who realized where they were at and needed Jesus, Jesus came so that they wouldn't be lost again, that they could be brought up to the Father. You know, see, it's a journey that we're on, this journey that we call discipleship. And it doesn't end at baptism. It's just the beginning. So, Mike and Kathy, I forgot to tell you this last week. It's just the beginning. You got baptized, and now you have to live it. Now it's just not studying the Bible once or twice a week. Now it's just not every once in a while. Now it's like a year, two years, ten years, twenty years. I got to live it. And man, I need all the help I can get. And that's why Jesus came. You know, now it's a challenge when you're in the ministry, when you're challenged with your big group like this, because what I call this is the Oscar Mayer ministry. And if you've been around for a long time, you remember the Oscar Mayer Wiener commercials. And you just go, all the different types of people that like Oscar Mayer Wieners. It's the same thing. 
Short ones, tall ones, smart ones, dumb ones, rich ones, poor ones, white ones, black ones. We got all types. And when you get a big ministry and a lot of different people, you get a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different baggage, a lot of different issues, a lot of different needs. We all need to be about the purpose of Jesus, though. And we need to be willing to go after the one that got lost. You think about that. Why was Jesus so fired up about, in Luke, about the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son? Because something at one time was found, got lost. And Jesus came to make sure the saved stayed saved. Here's some examples. Discipleship times. When was the last time you sat down with a brother or sister or a group of brothers and sisters and you just were open? Hey, this is where I'm at. I need help. Hey, what do you see? What do I see? Let's talk. Perhaps you went to the Galatian class. Perhaps you do follow-up studies. Maybe teaching on Sundays or Wednesdays, specific teachings, house church lessons like we had last Sunday. You know, then we offer different things like financial peace, growing kids God's way, marriage dynamics. Soon we're going to start a new program called In Motion. And that's for anybody maybe that needs some, some help in, in counseling or just working through things, whether or not it's weakness or mental illness or, or, or just struggles of life. And if you're interested in leading that ministry, please come and see me afterwards. <laughs> Faithful disciples can teach other disciples. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who also be able to teach others. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Galatian class this morning. One reason was is because I think it's a need. Teaching something like that, the missionary journeys of Paul and his books and just really getting deeper in the Bible and reading it. And the second thing I enjoyed it is because two men who I respect a lot took time out to really work hard to put something together for the benefit of other people. And I respected that. And then I got to sit in the back seat in the back row and talk to my wife and look at my iPhone all during the class like they do to me. I was like, payback. I'm joking. But you don't know what I'm joking about, so. No, they did a great job. A great job. And Mike knew it was coming because he was dissing on me earlier in the class. You know, very grateful again. But see, every disciple, every disciple involved in keeping the saved saved. Why? Because Jesus did it. Now, I got two more points, but I just want to harp on this point. One, just for a second. When was the last time you tried to keep the saved saved? 
When was the last time you invested yourself into an opportunity or a time that you love someone, that you care for them, and you're willing to spend time with them just to encourage them, admonish them, correct them, inspire them, whatever them? What? Because every disciple should be about the purpose of the Father or the Son, Jesus. And our purpose is to make, keep the safe saved. So how is our relationships? How is our time together? What are we doing? And that's every disciple. Number two, proclaiming. Here in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, we find Jesus speaking, and Luke is reflecting on this. And he says in Luke 4, verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Proclaiming. You know, and here what Jesus is saying, Luke is saying, is that he's proclaiming the good news to the poor. And he's not necessarily talking about those who are down on their luck type people, even though that's, that's true. But he's talking, it's more than that. It's more of the, those who are meek, those who are teachable, those who see their helplessness, those who see their need for God and Jesus, who understand the darkness and are ready to accept the light. See, Jesus was all about a ministry of compassion. We share because we care. And again, we ask ourselves, how have we done? I think so many times that we can be insecure. We can be uh, insecure or, or intimidated because, oh my gosh, they're, you know, they're whatever. Maybe they're sharp looking. Maybe they drive a nice car. Maybe their house is bigger. Maybe, you know, they're just really confident. Maybe, whatever. You know, but we'll share with this type of person because, you know, this is easy. Oh, they need Jesus. <laughs> Laura Gower would have been the first person I always reach out to. Oh, I look at Laura. Oh, she needs Jesus. Amen. <laughs> it's obvious. But man, I ain't going to reach out to Gary. He's just intimidating. <laughs> but see, Jesus' ministry is a ministry of compassion. Look at Mark chapter 2, verse 15. On, Mark chapter 2, verse 15, it says, so, And so he reclined at the table in his house, and as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw what he was, that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, Jesus came to call sinners. And he was comfortable doing so. Where would you find Jesus? With sinners? 
eating with them. He came to call them, and it was reflected by his schedule, his day-to-day activities. If you wanted to find Jesus, most likely he was with the tax collectors and sinners. And see, I believe everyone can proclaim. Everyone can share the good news. And I think it's a challenge that we have because, see, if you've been in the church for a period of time, you know, it's really easy to get acclimated with just disciples, just hanging around disciples. I only got this amount of time, and if I have to do this, 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 my only excess amount of time I have is this amount, and you know what, I got to do this with the disciples or this with the disciples or my family, I don't have a lot of time to hang out with sinners. And I think it's a challenge that we're always going to have in our life. Do we make time to be with sinners? You know, this last week, the, women's, the women had a women's retreat. And they had a great time. Heard a lot of just encouraging time about what they did and had time. And Patty had two of our neighbors come to church or to the women's retreat. And they both had a great time. And Patty's like, you know what? It, we, they came. They enjoyed the women's retreat. Let's have them over for dinner. So we had eight people come over for brisket and ribs. Oh, my goodness. The eating was good. Now, the night before, I had a diverticulitis attack. And if you know anything about diverticulitis, I was told it's kind of like having a baby. So... I can appreciate those of us who maybe had children. I had to go to the emergency room on Thursday. It was that painful. But you know what? I've had it before. I just need antibiotics and a really nice (laughs) painkiller. But you know what? Whether or not it was wise or not wise, we had four people come to our house that we were trying to reach out to. And I, we didn't, I didn't want it to cancel. And actually, we had more than four sinners come eat with us. But, you know, that was a great time altogether. So, are we willing to put ourselves out there? When was the last time you had someone over for dinner? Honestly, no, seriously, your neighbor. Now, I'm not talking about a sinner in your Bible talk. I'm talking about, I'm talking about someone in the community. So, when was the last time? All of us. Now, I believe we all can com- proclaim. <laughs> I want to say everyone can complain, and I know we do that too. <laughs> Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the other, also the other prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. So how can we share the good news? I know a lot of times when I study the Bible with people, man, sharing, ah, it is, it is intimidating because you put yourself out there. You make yourself vulnerable. I get it. 
I remember one time I was in the chiropractor school, and one of the sharpest guys in the school was sharp. He was a classmate. He was a friend of mine. This guy was sharp, intelligent, Jewish. And I remember inviting him to church. And I shared with him, and I don't, I can't, I, and when I left, when I walked away from him, I said, did I say one intelligent word? And you know, I, I probably looked really stupid, but I did it, because I cared enough about him. I did it. And see, sometimes we can just have the come and see approach. You know, you might not know what to say or what to read or what to do. I get that. People have been around for a while. They can help you out. But you know what? You can, you can do like Philip said, come and see. Come and see the relationships. Come and see the people. Come and see the love. Just, just come and see it. And let the Holy Spirit do its part. And I think this is a challenge that we have. Is that then as disciples, is that if we're going to create an environment that people can say, come and see, then what kind of effort do we put into things that we organize? You know, this last week we had house church. And my house church, we were like, you know what, we're going to meet at 1 o'clock. We're going to have a communion service. And then we're going to watch the game and have lunch. And we had a dude lunch. The wives walked in about 2 o'clock, having a good time at the women's event. And they walked in, and I looked at them, and I go, we, we missed you. We had a dude lunch. <laughs> Jim made hamburgers, and all the brothers brought chips. <laughs> I mean, the average age of my family group is like 58 years old. Well, no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> we had store-bought co- cookies also. <laughs> I forgot about the cookies. And, and I'm just sitting there looking at this, and I'm like, really? You know what? And I wasn't going to be mad at the sheep. I was going to be mad at George, because he didn't plan it well. That's what I was going to do. Seriously, I got, I just, you know what? I was like, it's my responsibility. I didn't plan. I didn't plan. I didn't create an environment. I didn't, I wasn't specific. I didn't train. I get that. You didn't eat it. But, it, you know, it was okay. It was, we had enough food. But you know what? I learned a good lesson. <laughs> Tell people what kind of chips to bring. Amen. <laughs> Every disciple involved in proclaiming. Why? Because Jesus did it. You didn't come here because, oh man, the building that this church worships in. Oh, it's such an incredible building. Look at the gym. Look at the parking lot. They have volleyball competition. That's why I come to this church. Oh, it's the music. 
Oh, it's so incredible, the preaching. You do it because you made Jesus Lord. So everyone involved in teaching, keeping the saved saved, every disciple involved in come and see. But then also, lastly, every disciple involved in serving. Now, I changed it up here because I said it healing in, back in Matthew. But see, I'll put in serving because let's look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 43. Mark 10, verse 43, it says, but it, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must also be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Why did Jesus come? To serve. Here's another reason why Jesus came, to serve. But see, I believe healing and serving are synonymous. When you heal someone, you're serving them. You're, you're, You're helping them physically. But when you serve people, you heal them also. Jesus was a king, unlike any other. A king who came to serve. And you repeatedly see it throughout his ministry. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He caused the deaf to hear and the blind to see. He touched. He listened. He spoke to. He went with. He came to. He loved. Jesus came to serve. He's a stunning example of the only one who truly deserved to be called Lord, placed himself in a humble service to others. And see, it's not simply a principle of the kingdom of God, but literally it's a pattern of his life that is authoritative for and transferable to us, his disciples, to serve. So then how can we, the body, how can we, those of us in God's church, how can we heal? How can we serve? See, my question would be, we've got to sometimes just got to open our eyes. I mean, there's, there's a whole list of ways we can heal and serve. You know, we can, we can serve the church or each other. We can, we can participate and serve in our children's ministry. We can serve on Sunday. We can help out the AV. We can help out the singing. We can help out the ushering. I don't need any help preaching. We can help with hope projects. <laughs> hope projects, local projects. Maybe your neighborhood. Maybe you can go serve a neighbor. I, I knew people that go mow, like, like a, what is that, a, like a rogue mower. You know, you just take his lawnmower and go do the front yard of someone's house. It's like, like a terrorist mower, you know. And, <laughs> you know, trim someone's house or just go serve someone, take a meal. I mean, Patty, every, every, it's holidays are stressful at our house because it's always an opportunity for Patty to bake something and take it to our neighbors. I'm serious. 
like a pie here and a cake there, and I'm struggling with my weight, and she keeps making things. <laughs> but she wants to serve. Every disciple, every disciple involved in serving. Amen. Why? Because Jesus did it. Healing, teaching, proclaiming. Because that's the ministry of Jesus. Yeah, certainly, again, it's a challenge. Because in, in our nature, it's like, okay, you know what? We wanna, we're going to compartmentalize. Okay, Sunday through Tuesday are going to be my proclaiming days. And Wednesday and Thursday are going to be my teaching days. And then Friday, Saturday, they're going to be my healing days. No. It's who we are all the time. Maybe one or two days I might be engaged with the brothers a little bit more. Or maybe I'll be doing a project or, or maybe I'll, I'll be serving some. I get that. But see, in our sinful nature, we'll want to gravitate to what we feel more comfortable with. Oh, I'm just always going to serve in children's ministry. Because I can do that. I'm really good at that. But I'm not going to proclaim anybody. And I'm not going to teach. I'm not going to talk to anybody. But I will serve in the children's ministry. Or, or maybe you're just a chatterbox. And you love saying, come and see, come and see. And I get that. That's okay. But what about teaching, engaging, healing? All three. Got to focus on Jesus. We made our decision to follow Jesus. Not me. Not Alan. Not the eldership. Not the DFW church. You didn't make a decision because of a, a building or, or whatever. It was Jesus. And so as disciples, if we want to overcome our insecurity, we focus on the ministry of Jesus. And that's when then we'll be secure, because we know what we're doing, what Jesus was doing. So my challenge is for all of us here today is how is our engagement with one another? Are we engaged enough? Are we consumed enough? Are we concerned enough about keeping the saved saved? Are we willing to say, hey, come and see. Come and see. Come see this. Are we willing to serve? Are we looking for ways that we can meet needs in our neighborhood at, or, or our community or in the body? Because it's all three. It's not one or the other. It's all three. And I pray that as we now take communion and we think of Jesus and his example, we consider his life and his sacrifice, his death, that we'll understand is that he gave us the example or proclaiming, teaching, and healing. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father, our God, we humbly come before you. God, we are grateful. We're grateful because you've given us an example. You've given us your example of your son, Jesus. And we pray, God, that we will know completely and understand the ministry of your son, Jesus. And that, Father, not only as individuals, but, God, as the church, the God that we will be focused on your son's ministry. And that by fulfilling 
his, your will on this earth that we will bring you glory and honor and not ourselves. Father, our hope is in you. God, we love you. We're grateful. Thank you for this time. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.